and welcome back to Pew Babies, your apostolic young adult podcast. I'm Ron. I'm Mike. And with us today is a very special guest. If you don't mind just introducing yourself. Hello, my name is Natasha Spencer. I have been raised in the church since I was a little girl. I grew up apostolic Pentecostal. And when I say apostolic Pentecostal, I mean first experience being a little girl sitting on a folding chair, maybe at a revival. I love it. (laughs) I literally am holding on for dear life, like what is happening here? (laughs) But, But no, literally raised in church. But I will say that there's a difference between being raised in church and raised in Christ. Mm. In church, it was not into my adult years that I became raised in Christ. So for me, it's almost as though I'm really establishing that relationship that we talk about in the church, especially, you know, in the current generation, the millennial generation who's being, you know, in church. They talk about, you know, having relationship. I'm learning how to really have a relationship and not just have a relationship with, for others, if that makes sense. Yes. Natasha, you preaching already. I know. We are, it's, it's, I can tell it's about to be a great episode it's about tonight. To be like, good. <laughs> this is about to be good. I'm, I'm ready. I, but let's just jump to the topic. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Let's just jump to the topic on tonight. Well, I did have an opener this week, you guys. Okay. It's not church controversy. I wanted to try something a little bit different. Okay. So I want to do Bible stories in three words. And basically, I'll give y'all three words, and I want you to know if y'all can recognize the Bible story and tell me who it's about. Okay. We'll start easy. We'll start easy. (laughs) Small takes big. David Uh, David and Goliath. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's see. Four firemen. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. See, the saints is on the roll. We've been reading (laughs) the scriptures and we know. All right. This one, I want to give y'all two guesses at this one. I'm going to do one three word or less. And then if y'all don't get that, then I'll go to the other one. So everybody just. No. Okay. I, it was based off a song lyric. I just wanted to know if y'all was going to get that based off. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Glance then salt. Oh, <laughs> when the woman turned into the pillar of salt, uh, Lot's wife. Yes, yeah. So I was hoping y'all would get the everybody just <laughs> look back. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 Ron, yeah. Ron, Ron. You gotta stay with me, Mike. <laughs> Mike, you're supposed to be the eagle eye prophet tonight. You wasn't seeing. I wasn't seeing tonight. <laughs> okay, last one. Shake off snakes. Oh, that was Paul. Was it when the snake bit him and he threw it in the fire? Yeah. Yes, yes, Paul being bit by the viper. All right, we have some saints in the house that know the Bible. I love that. So that was our opener this week, Bible in three words. Mike, do you have any church announcements for us? Yes, I have some Pentecostal history and some church announcements today. So first and foremost, praise the Lord to everybody and good evening to everybody except Ron DeSantis. You um, just to get... <laughs> Okay, so we're going to jump into a little bit of Pentecostal history before we get into our announcements on tonight. And remember, if you love this show, please like and subscribe and share it with a fellow friend, a co-worker, loved one that would really enjoy listening to our show. So we're going to talk about tonight the Progressive Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ, which was established in 1944. The Progressive Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ, better known as the PCOOLJC, was 
established by Joseph D. Williams Sr., who founded Pilgrim Church of Christ in Cleveland, Ohio, under the affiliation of the Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ. He resigned from the pastorate with Bishop Robert C. Lawson's approval and relocated to Columbia, South Carolina. Williams established the first church of his newly formed organization in 1944, following the miraculous healing of Helen L. Washington, one of his charter members. The congregation moved into their new edifice one year later, which Lawson rededicated. Between the 1940s and 50s, Williams traveled throughout South Carolina to preach and establish churches, and because of his effort, congregations were established in Killian, Mullins, Denmark, Lugoff, and Florence. Unfortunately, in 1963, a major split occurred in the organization, and several of the leading ministers, deacons, and members who worked with Williams for many years left the organization. Before his death, he appointed a board of elders to provide leadership for the group after his passing. Elder Joel G. Washington, Edward Smith, Herman Jackson, Henry J. Brakefield and Ernest Finkley were left to decide who would succeed in his position. Williams served for 22 years as a pastor and presiding bishop. The board jointly governed after his death in 1966, with Washington serving as chairperson. After Jackson's resignation, each elder oversaw a district of local churches to maintain the unity of the organization. In 1973, the Board of Elders was consecrated to the Office of Bishop and subsequently as the Board of Bishops. Members of the board elected Bishop Joel G. Washington from Columbia, South Carolina, as presiding bishop in 1973. Washington sent ministers throughout the United States, and as a result, Progressive Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ added 10 churches. During the 1970s and 1980s, congregations started in North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. The organization ratified a new church constitution and appointed Edward Smith as assistant presiding bishop in 1983. He assumed the position of presiding bishop when Washington died in 1987. Smith established a National Unity Conference for the National Church, and in 1999, Progressive Church dedicated a $2.5 million, 31,000-square-foot headquarters church complex with a 1,000-seat sanctuary, a family life center, a gymnasium, and classrooms. Smith served as the presiding bishop from 1987 to 2020. The current presiding bishop, Theodore Jenkins, oversees 23 churches and missions in North and South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, New York, and Africa. That was our Pentecostal history for the week. Amen. So I our announcements are kind of wild this week, so just please bear with us. I'm going to start with something. Oof. So, a uh, Fred Hammond and Dietrich Hatton defend pastor who cussed and called out prophetess. She claims tried to come between her and her husband. Mm-hmm. During her sermon last week, Pastor Jamelia Gooden of Charlotte, North Carolina, took a moment to call out the woman she accused of attempting to come between her and her husband. In a now viral video, Gooden can be seen addressing her flock from the pulpit. But they were not expecting their Sunday devotion to be tainted with details about her marriage. You can read about it here. Now, gospel stars Fred Hammond and DJ Haddon are defending her actions. Sorry, but you can't support this type of behavior. That only makes it worse and more acceptable. And these are the author's words. I'm glad she apologized and hopefully repented. You can't lead God's people this way. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Um, so I watched the video. I didn't see the apology, so I'm glad to know that she did apologize for it. But the video started off with you shouldn't be commuting with my husband and like going very off. I think there's certain conversations that should be left in private. And it was directed to somebody who didn't attend her church. I believe it was like some prophetess in North Carolina or something. It's just like, ma'am, like, you know, it didn't have to be said over your pulpit in front of your saints. The person that you're accusing wasn't 
present. And so like, you know, let's just follow the scripture. If you have an odd against a brother or sister, you go see them first in private. And if they don't listen, then you go grab, you know, a friend. And then you bring it before your church and your public and not everybody virally. So um, it's unfortunate. And I, I understand like there are some women who love to get in with the first lady's husbands but <laughs> so let, i'm not gonna overlook that <laughs> but i will say like there is a way and a protocol to address it and that just wasn't it yeah um go ahead tasha so i remember seeing the video and one of the things that concerns me is that i think that we've lost a respect for the pulpit so for instance we tend to defame the pulpit when we end up utilizing it as our personal platform um to address it's basically to throw up on people like and unfortunately that is something that um is quite common over the pulpit where we will use god's platform to accomplish our own personal agenda so i think that sometimes a respect has been lost for the pulpit and there's a, res a respect sometimes it's lost for the altar and i think i agree with deronda that definitely you know you want to do things decently and in order part of lead, leading by example and of course living this christian walk is making sure that you are doing things according to scripture and she made a very good point with what was an appropriate way to handle it but i honestly think it was messy i honestly think it was a little cowardly because why are you utilizing the pulpit to kind of, you know, make a statement that should be handled one-on-one? -on -one? And I also think that it was poor taste is what I think. And if anything, if I'm honest, it just makes it seem like there's some stuff going on between you and your husband because why does it have to be addressed so publicly? Yeah, so I, I totally agree with the sentiments of you both. First of all, I think at, when you're in a leadership position, whether you're first lady, your pastor, sometimes you got to take the high road. Like, you have to take the high road in situations, especially when you're in on a platform like that. Like, yeah, she might have been saying something to your husband. But first of all, let's ask this. Why wasn't, what did your husband do? Did he defend you, like, behind these closed doors? Or, you know, and, and what is your husband saying to her that makes her so comfortable to approach your husband anyway? Like, that's something that you need to take up with your husband, not sit up here and address this lady on a platform. Now, there was mm -hmm. no reason for you to get in the pulpit and talk about what you was going to do to this woman and all this other stuff because she was with, like, it was it was very uncalled for. And to the people that was agreeing with this lady, like, I had to call these people into question, too, because uh, apparently you all don't know respect for the house of God and respect for the pulpit as well. And unfortunately, like, we live in a day and time where there's no respect and no regard for the house of God and the pulpit. I don't know if it's because we live stream everything now, but even if we weren't live streaming, there was no way that you should have been that comfortable enough to say those words out of your mouth. And the only reason you apologized for was because you were getting a lot of pushback from the church community on social media. My thing is, there's a lot of first ladies that got to deal with that man being pulled on, being tugged on, and, and, and things like that. There's some a lot of women out here, well, husbands are pastors, and they sleep around. But a lot of those first ladies, you'll never hear them get in the pulpit and bash and bash and say anything, anything like that, because there's a time and place for everything. And like I said, when you're in a leadership position, sometimes you just got to take the high road and take the high road out. And unfortunately, like this was not, this was not it. 
this wasn't this should not have been the recourse that this lady should have taken and my, my thing is this like I'm afraid of somebody that you know I, I'm always a little leery rather of somebody that makes a lot of noise like you know they said an empty wagon makes the most noise you making all that noise like you gonna do this and do that to that girl right. and that woman would have pulled up you probably wouldn't have did nothing you been talking all that junk and stuff so it was not called for if you wanted to approach her you should have had a conversation with her over the phone we should have never been privy to what was going on between you and your husband because how many couples in that church was looking to you you know as the example looking to you and your husband as the example you know so i don't think that was it was right and um i think that as far as deidre hatton and friend hammond like backing her i'm looking at them with a the side eye as well because why are you backing this lady messy saints gonna be begging messy saints and i'll just say this too like i'm not gonna lie i'm a little weary of saints who are very quick to be like well you know i could still give hands and you should have known like that whole vibe of like well i used to fight in the streets and you know i can you know we are supposed to come out of that Mm -hmm. like where's the change where's the deliverance from that where's the deliverance from your violent spirit your fighting spirit like there's other things like we're supposed to be peace and love like that's that's of god you know what i mean and so like i said there is a process and a mechanism of dealing with conflicts with people and i'm gonna throw hands or if i see you in the streets i'm gonna blah 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 like all of that language that people used to give in the streets and or whatever i just feel like and this is just my opinion you know, everybody doesn't have to agree, but I just feel like, okay, it's time, it's time for us to mature out of that. Like, where's your spiritual maturity? There isn't any, because if you recall, she also weaponized scripture out of context to back up her poor behavior mm. um, that, you know, Jesus threw tables. And so I was just like, oh, okay, we doing that now. Yeah. And throwing tables is a lot different than beating somebody up. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a lot different showing your anger versus using violence so yeah and he threw tables because they were defaming the house of god right you know some woman wanted to prophesy to your husband <laughs> right when i saw the video and it went viral and, and a few things have gone viral this week online and i'm just like somebody made a really good point i was like maybe instead of maybe us going live and live streaming on sunday mornings maybe we just hit the highlights of the great parts of service and just send like little snippets of that and if people are missing service because of work and stuff we can send like we can upload the sermon or upload the service like to a platform where you know like we were able to do some edits afterwards because i know that's what we do at our church we don't go live but we send a link out the next day of like the sermon and it's on youtube and maybe did we turn the comments off or something like that so i think there's some ways that we can kind of like fit because we also saw the video of the pastor rebuking the member but i'm not gonna get into that um tonight oh we're not gonna get into that mike we can oh. we can <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought we was going to discuss that. Uh, we 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 can discuss it. Like I said, these announcements are wild this week. I don't. Okay, so I'm gonna go here. White conservative fails when asked to define woke. Did you all know the term woke originated from the African-American vernacular in English and refers to being aware of social and political issues, particularly those related to racial justice and equality? White conservative commentator Bethany Mandel co-authored a whole book on the current woke indoctrination supposedly going on around the country. But when asked to define the term at the very center of it, she flopped. And the article goes on to say that in recent years, the term has become more widely used and has taken on a broader meaning to describe 
have a heightened awareness of various forms of social injustice and inequality, including those related to gender, sexuality, and economic class. Being woke implies a willingness to challenge conventional ideas and attitudes and to recognize the ways in which systematic injustices can perpetuate discrimination and inequality. And I'm going to just stop there. She said some more things in here, but you all have any thoughts on this? I just feel like every concept isn't for everybody. Mm-mm. And it's not good to take something from one community and feel like it can be copy and pasted throughout everyone. At least like my definition of woke is the awakening of African-American enlightenment, Black people enlightenment, you know, understanding our history and that we came from king and kingship and queenship and like we got shipped here of course but we're coming out of that slavery mentality which is a lot different than a gender awakening or a sexual identity awakening or a political awakening and I think again we can't just like copy and paste these concepts to everybody and I will say this it's so easy to write a book people writing books on Amazon every day so writing a book or having uh, it doesn't make you an authority on anything <laughs> or official even this platform is just us giving you know our own opinion it's just unfortunate that instead of investigating what or being woke really means in the black community we have this mentality of particularly no offense but particularly for white people to take things from our culture and try to like analyze it without having a full understanding or full meaning of what that means and it's not for you everything is not for you and it's okay to sit out sometimes you better preach (laughs) honestly i agree with her completely um cultural appropriation is a real thing and at the end of the day get your own I love that. (laughs) Get your own. (laughs) Yeah, I actually saw the video on TikTok from where this lady was asked, like, what does woke mean? And when I tell you this lady stumbled over the definition of the word, but you have a whole book out on the term woke. And so I think, you know, for so long, it's almost been like rebuttals to what we do in Black culture. But, you know, it starts as a little thing. So it started as, you know, white people trying to appropriate the braids. And you see white men trying to appropriate dreadlocks. I remember when I was at ECU, uh, there would be white guys that was trying to wear dreadlocks. And it looked really nasty, you know? Like, it was little things like that. And which is, like, I don't judge it. Like, fine, if that's what you want to do with your hair, you know? But when you start crossing over into being woke, being woke is something that, affects us not in a physical sense actually it is in a physical sense because we have endured violence and police violence and stuff like that we're still trying to bring police reform even now in 2023 and so a lot of this this idea of being woke is trying to you know combat those challenges but also to trying to combat the challenges of pay gaps of a lot of the redlining that's still going on a lot of these underlying racial issues going on in our community black we are woke and now that you all are trying to rebuttal what black oh well we can be woke too as conservatives and stuff too no you can't no you cannot be woke because you've been given everything that you need on a silver platter which is called privilege it's called white privilege you know Mm -hmm. just in case anybody was wondering it's called white privilege you've been given that we don't have black privilege over here so we do have to be woke and be 10 steps ahead of you in order to keep up or in order to at least try to keep the same pace as you all and so i think that with a lot of like what's going on you know with with a whole lot of oh well we are woke too over here and stuff and you know we as conservative and stuff like like no you're not no you're not because there's still so many different things if you were so woke you all would not be trying to you know push a whole lot you all would be working more to push a lot of this police reform you all would not be so trying to get a lot of our black history books out of the school systems and stuff like that which is why this next election is so important because if Ron DeSantis gets that White House we're in trouble as a nation 
in Florida, it is already, they're already making laws in Florida that if you say that you, you, you call somebody racist, they can sue you. They can take you to court. They can sue you. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I learned about that. And I thought, I saw it on TikTok. I was like, I don't know if that's true. I researched it and it is true. And there's so many different laws. There's laws where there's, there was a, uh, a, a, political figure in I think Tennessee where he wanted to bring back Jim Crow laws mm -hmm. there's been political figures that want to bring back you know hanging people for crimes and stuff like that but you all want to argue about us being woke and stuff like that I think you, you all are the ones that need to wake up out of sleep you know and and try to get your own minds together because if we're not we're going to be in a lot of trouble and it's not going to be like the 1950s and 60s with our grandparents and great grandparents where they like were hushed mouth they didn't say much it was yes ma'am and no man you're dealing with a whole new generation that's going to rise up and they're going to use whatever kind of force they need to use to get the message across so this is just a warning <laughs> i love that and also i like you hit the nail on the head the oppressor can't see the oppression like what is going on like every time black people come out with something new like y'all want to rebut rebuttal take take like it's just it's crazy it's crazy i'm tired I really am. I'm is exhausted being a black person in America in this world. Like it's, it's, it is it's exhausting. so exhausting because you have to explain yourself in every situation all the time. And if you're not explaining yourself, people are going to like look at you crazy or they're going to take what you said and then be like, oh, it applies to me. It does not apply to you because you have never been oppressed. You have never had to suffer anything in your life. I'll just leave it there. Sorry, I was about to get a little pedestal. No, you, you, stop. no, let's, let's go, let's go. <laughs> <It's> frustrated. <laughs> no, but you're, you're talking good. You're talking good. Um, Speaking of the GOP, so what's oh, up God. with the sudden war on drag queens from this article, from this website? The author of this article says, why, y'all, why is drag queens under attack? This GOP attack on drag queens and trans folks is 100% ridiculous. How do they want to protect our kids from drag queens but not being slaughtered in their classrooms by assault weapons? Please make it make sense. You guys have any thoughts on that? Interesting. So... <laughs> <laughs> Because, Mike, what are we doing tonight? What's going on? <laughs> I'm telling you, these announcements are wild. Okay, let's look at, from a political perspective, there are so much more important things that are happening in this world that we are not focusing on, and we keep getting caught up in these small things. I'm, like, I'm looking at the drag queen issue. I'm looking at the fact that y'all trying to get rid of TikTok. Like, it's everything. Y'all trying to do all this stuff that has nothing to do with taking care of the water that's in Flint, nothing to do with locking up black men for you. Like, it's just so many other important issues. The fact that we're in a financial crisis and you have to pay $400,000 to get a starter home, that is insane. Like, let's think about that. Insane. Let's concentrate on that. So that's, that's the political side from a spiritual aspect. If we were going to have a spiritual aspect, I'm going to be honest. It is not our place. I think what's annoying me, particularly with the GOP, is that they are going to rein in on this anti-gay, anti-whatever spirit in order to get voters. And I think that is a crutch and it's annoying because the saints, as soon as they hear like a uh, transgender, oh, drag queen, oh yeah, we don't believe in that. And it's like, there are so many more important issues, particularly for you as a saint in the community and what you should be focused on than just hearing something about anti-gay or transgender rights and being like oh i need to get on that you know don't focus so much on the political aspects that you agree on look at what's happening in society and what needs to be fixed and i think that's what is annoying to me is that with this election that's going to be coming up next year it's going to be very easy for the saints to be slumbered back to sleep and slumber mm -hmm. back to sleep means for you to be caught up and focused on surface level stuff and be like oh this is modern day sodom and gomorrah the world gonna do what the world's gonna do but while we're here, 
you know, you need to be out there saving folk and witnessing and then mm-hmm. trying to figure out how we're going to take care of the community and help feed the poor and how we're going to help people live. That should be our focus. Mm-hmm. So that's, I just wanted to make a message of that. Sorry, we're on a whole pedestal tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, states. <laughs> Honestly, y'all said it all right there. I agree. I think that, honestly, we're worried about the wrong things. We need to focus on our own scandals, making sure our stuff is together. That way there is respect of the world. Because the reality is, going back to that pastor who, you know, embarrassed herself, her pastor and her husband. (laughs) If you have that type of leadership, you know, in our pool, Pit. they're just not going to respect you i remember when i saw the clip on um, on instagram and you looking at the comments because you know that's the first place you go anytime you see a video go viral you want to go to the comment section you want to see what people have to say and literally when i tell you that i'm sitting here looking at these comments and there so many people like that's why i don't go to church that's why blah blah, blah. i can't believe blah 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 like um Literally, that is the reality of it. The church has lost its influence because we have so much foolishness going on. If we get our house in order and if we focus on showing forth the love of God and we're actually living the lifestyle, we're going to draw people. But it's not our job to to be a politician. It's our job to be a witness. Amen. I couldn't agree more. It's not our job to be a politician. It's our job to be a witness. I think that that sums it up right there. I think for me, you know, and I'm taking my spiritual hat off here. Guns are, are what's killing people. Guns mm-hmm. are what's going into these schools and shooting our, our babies, shooting our kids, shooting your grandkids, your nephews, your nieces. It's not the drag queens. It's not them going in there loading guns up and things like that. It is the guns. It is the, you know, the 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 gun control laws and things like that. That's going into these schools, shoot, shooting these kids and things like that. And we worried about the wrong things, like you guys said. Like, there's so many different things to be worried about. Like, you know, we're about to be in, a, in, in 2008 all over again. Mm. We're about to be in 2008 all over again with the with the failure of the banking system. They're banning TikTok. I'm praying that they don't because a lot of my business comes from TikTok. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. even for my personal business that I own, it comes from TikTok. We're focused on the wrong things as a country. We're focused on banning books and things like that, but we won't ban guns. We won't ban a lot of these other things. And, and a lot of these people making these laws, you know, they are it's strategic because they know a lot of our Black conservative or Christian people, whether they're Baptist, whether they're met, they affirm as Methodist, whether they affirm as Pentecostal, when they hear of anti-LGBT because it resonates with what their, you know, doctrinal beliefs are, that's what they're going to lean towards. The Democratic opponent can have all of the things that they're trying to do, like, or, or whether it is a independent candidate that's running, can have everything where they're trying to, you know, work on things for the housing market, work on things for education, get higher pay for teachers. But as soon as they see a Republican over here saying, well, we, you know, we're going to be anti-LGBT, that's what it's, they know that's what the Saints are going to vote for. And before you mm-hmm. know it, you're paying a thousand dollars to get your diabetes medication. So don't ask us to pray. You know, don't ask us to pray. Don't get in our prayer lines asking, can you be healed of that diabetes? That's what you voted for. You know, when your mortgage and your taxes go up on your house, whatever, that's what you voted for. Don't ask us to pray. Don't ask us to raise an offering for you because that's what you voted for. And I think, like I say, it's such a shame that, you know, this is what we're facing in 2023, which is why I cannot stress enough that we have to vote and we have to be educated on what these political parties are doing because it's all strategic and before you know it you know we're gonna be out here we're gonna have to tolerate racism out here all over again because again it's gonna be illegal to call anybody racist and call them out on being racist you know so i think it's a very we're focused on the wrong things before i get into the last announcement of the rebuke that we saw do you guys want to talk about a woman's toe that regrew 
or do you all want to talk about a Johnny Hump, su- former Southern Baptist president, suing the denomination? <laughs> I'm curious about the regrown toe, though. I'm not going to okay. lie. <laughs> like, suing your denomination is crazy, but <laughs> I do want to know about this toe. What happened? <sighs> Go ahead. <laughs> so, okay. So, a woman who attends James River Church in Missouri claims prayer helped her regrow her three amputated toes in a span of 30 minutes. I guess she forgot that there's a scientific fact that the body does not regrow limbs once they are gone. The pastor has claimed that a creative miracle caused the woman's amputated toes to regrow. Still, an apparent refusal to provide any proof has inspired a very skeptical response from some. Pastor John Lindell of James River Church claims that the prayer fuel miracle took place last week during a service at the church's Joplin, Missouri branch, according to an article published Wednesday by the Springfield News Leader. The healing supposedly took place during service hosted by guest pastor Bill Johnson of Redding, California, Fournia's Bethel Church, which made headlines in 2019 after unsuccessfully attempting to resurrect a deceased two-year-old girl. It's too much. <laughs> it's I'm, too much. I'm not supposed to laugh, but it's, it's too, too much. much. So the pastor of this church that supposedly performed this miracle was the same church that was in the headlines mm-hmm. for trying to resurrect a two-year-old girl in 2019. The article said unsuccessfully attempted to resurrect a deceased two-year-old girl. And I... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's too much. It, uh, it's a lot going on. Just call nine one one. Stop it. Stop it, <laughs> y'all. I'm sorry. Um. Also, the Saints wanting to have the proof. They was like, "Where are the photos?" <laughs> so I should. I need the before and after. <laughs> That's crazy. I like, mean, it's not to say I don't think I can do it. But I will say this, like, first off, let's use wisdom. Second off, if there was a miracle that happened to me where I regrew through in my toes, I'm showing everybody. That is a huge testimony. I'm going out in the streets. I'm going to the doctors. Like, y'all will see me go viral on TikTok, and I don't even post on TikTok. I just watch the videos. Like, (laughs) I would go off. I would literally go off if my toes regrew. So that's crazy. And then the little girl passing away who's two years old, I just know for a fact. I know for a fact, because Mike, we kind of talked about this before. The Saints sometimes, instead of thinking about medical practice, they like, oh, let's pray. And I, there ain't no time to be praying when you don't got full power. Ooh. Like, I just, it's just a waste. It's a waste. You can't even pray away your headache, but you're talking about you want to resurrect the dead. It doesn't make sense. Make it make sense. You know, like your faith can't operate like that. So it's just unfortunate and it's sad. And I feel so bad for that child and her parents because I just know for a fact that like whatever is happening, somebody didn't have no power. And like, it's not that I don't believe God can do it, but I don't believe that the people have the faith or the ability to do those things because we're not walking right. So it doesn't make sense. But I'm just leaving right there. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. This ain't got no power, honey. The demons ain't tremble. Okay. No, they didn't. They didn't tremble. They oh my said, God. Peter, I know Paul. I know. Who are you? Jesus, I know. <laughs> but who are you? <laughs> I'm just going to revisit our um, last subject. Stay woke. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know what well, I, I was interested in this article because i remember my dad told me when he was growing up in church in the 70s like he remembered 70s and 80s like he remembered people going to church with like broken bones and right there in the prayer they were grow they would like come back together like the power of god would come but they you know their faith was there i mean i'm not asking to see this woman's toes but i just feel like you know you're not producing the proof like what's what's really you know going on i think feel like it's these things right here which is why the Lord sent a pandemic to us because stop playing with him. Stop playing with my Lord like this. Like, you know, up there talking about, because you already know when these things are amputated and things like that, like they naturally don't. And I'm not saying the Lord is able to do it, but like Ron, you just said, like you can't even get a prayer through for your headache. You can't even get a prayer through for your bad kids at the house, but you, the Lord supposedly grew your toes back and you had that much faith that he grew your toes back. I would want, I, I do kind of want to see proof of that. You know, and if 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 that is if that is right, then you know I'll fly out there to that church tomorrow, and you know find out what they got going on, find out what the secret is in the sauce. But and I mean, naturally, she'll want to tell it. Like I, I'm so sorry, but naturally, you post everything else. I don't understand. (laughs) Naturally, you would want to tell people that your toes grew big. Yeah, I want to be a witness. I, I mean, because I feel like that's a notable miracle, right? That is yeah, a notable miracle. Definitely. Um, our last announcement, I don't know that it's it's an announcement, but um, there was a video that went viral about this pastor. This happened on Sunday. It was live stream. He was rebuking this guy in front of everyone. And I would play the video, but the clip is too long to play. Basically, in a nutshell, he basically told the guy that he heard God say that, you know, He's like, you know, you keep trying to move too fast. You keep trying to do this and do that. When you go out on your own, you're going to fail. You're going to come running back to me. I'll give you the money right now and let you leave right now. But I promise you, you're going to go out here and fail. Stop trying to go out here and do it. On you. Like, it was very, it was a very kind of a harsh rebuke. And I believe that it was coming out of, I, well, first of all, I'm a, Ron saw the clip. I'm going to let her get her thoughts first. <laughs> Not we starting again. <laughs> Here's the thing. I watched the first two minutes with nothing wrong with it. By minute three, I could tell that people were getting uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. By minute four, oh, he was getting uncomfortable. By minute five, I was kind of done. I think I'm not against the message. I'm not against the rebuke. People need to be rebuked. I get that. I'm like, look, cry out, spare not, like cry loud, spare not, fine. Like I completely agree with that. I, I'm not against public rebuke in your church at all. But I think going into as much detail as he went into, going for as long as he did, unless it was something that was publicly done, you know, I could see like if the minister was going behind your back trying to start a ministry. And again, that is something that could be addressed publicly, but public in the sense of your church. Turn off your live stream. That's all you had to do. Like, you know, if there was something that needed to be addressed to that gravity, like now you have this man like embarrassed, not just in your church, which would have been probably fine because it was probably addressing an issue that happened publicly. Couldn't imagine the pastor not addressing this issue publicly without the church already knowing. I I just couldn't imagine that. I'm just going to at least give that. (laughs) But now this man has gone viral. We see this man's full-fledged face. You called his name multiple times. He had to come, not just where he had his hands lifted in surrenderance. He had to come to the front of his church. And so we're watching the whole thing. The cameraman following, that was the best camera angles I have ever seen in a live stream in my life. Like, and I'm just saying like, it's, this man's going to start a work and it's going to be like, oh, you that brother who got publicly rebuked on the live. 
you know and what is message is that sending what is that doing and it's not for everybody stuff is for your church and i and I, i'm going to say this like i always say it a lot but the problem with social media i think is that we're getting things to us that aren't for us mm-hmm. your shepherd has things to say to his sheep that is not got to do with anybody else's sheep or anybody else's flock and every message that comes over the live is not for everybody it's just time for us to like monitor we got to do better we got to do better like we put precautions and stuff on a lot of other things let's monitor someone should have had some wisdom and discretion in that church to be like okay let's cut the live even if the Mm -hmm. pastor didn't say it you who are on the media team was trying to be messy because you heard what was happening like i said after minute after minute two it got uncomfortable, visibly been. uncomfortable for the man who was getting it and the and the saints. Saints looking down, looking around, confused. Then and I think like that is what is getting me is this permanent public embarrassment. When I was growing up, yeah, we got rebukes, but it wasn't permanent in public. Nobody pulled out their camera and was like, you know, you got embarrassed for the couple seconds that it happened and then you moved on. But now it's permanent public embarrassment. And that's always going to be with that man. And that's damaging to me. Who would want to be in a ministry like that? That's damaging. And I didn't have the pleasure of looking at this clip, but just listening to the details that you all have shown. Uh, <laughs> all I'm going to say is that um, everybody who's called won't call. Because at the end of the day, you have to know how to deal with God's people. God holds you accountable for how you deal with his people. Mm, that's so he good. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. However, he still showed him love. He did not deal with him in any crazy way. And he was not going to allow the disciples to deal with him in any type of crazy way. When it's all said and done, there is going to be a lot of blood on some of these leadership's hands. And I understand the word of God says, I touch not my anointing and do my prophet no harm. But I'm sorry, but at the same time, the anointed is not just the man of God. The anointed is also the people of God. And you have to be careful about how you deal with God's people. God holds you accountable. You, Those are not your people. Those are not your people. He entrusted you with them. And so you have to be mindful about how you deal with people. You don't want to be the reason why, you know. They're out here later on. You just don't. Like you said, it is very damaging. Like, I'm all for rebuke. Rebuke is needed. Correction is needed. There's a difference between rebuke and abuse. Mm. And some of these folks better be careful because trust and believe. A lawsuit will start coming if they keep on being as reckless as they are. I agree. I um, I saw the clip and... The live stream should have been cut. Like, the live stream should have been cut. Somebody should have had enough Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit or God in them to say, let me cut this live stream because this is not for the public to see. Unfortunately, you know, social media is now made up of everything going viral. So people wanted that viral moment, right? Here's my thing. Like, I think, yeah, rebuking, rebuke is necessary. Like, you know, this is it's part of how we grow, but abuse is, isn't necessary. Abuse is not called for. The conversation that they had might have been a needed conversation, but that should have been a conversation that we had in the office. 
You know, because you literally cut that man up from ear to ear, sliced him up. And I don't care if you went in private and tried to bandage him up and things like that. Like, what we saw was public. And people was like, oh, he did it out of love. If you did it out of love and you love that man so much, that should have been a conversation in the office. That should have been a conversation over the phone. That should have been a conversation over dinner to say, like, these are the matters of my heart. This is what I feel like is going on. I'm not saying that the conversation should not have happened because I don't know, like, what, what happened between the two. but. For everybody to see that, that that wasn't called for. My other problem, too, with this is, you know, of course, it went viral on social media. Larry Live got the clip. And, of course, once he got the clip, it just kind of, you know, went everywhere. So I saw so many people on social media talking about some, well, yeah, because I've been rebuked like this many times. Excuse me. Why have y'all been rebuked so much in church? Like, what are y'all doing that y'all always, you know? When Not I y'all you, trauma bonding. <laughs> yeah, like, I tell you, everybody was on, on and, and like I've been rebuked before, too, but like to for people to say oh yeah i've been rebuked like this many times i've been gotten gotten many times and i'm like what have y'all done like what are you doing so much you have to you should get rebuked like this all the time like i don't understand that i don't understand that and it's, it goes back to the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about some people want to sit under leaders that constantly slap them around and things like that like oh you know beat me up slap me around and stuff like that why do y'all want to be slapped around like, right. what is the Holy Ghost in you leading you to do? Like, a pastor shouldn't have to always constantly tell you, Natasha, you ain't had no business doing that. Uh, uh, Ron, you didn't have no business doing that. You always, well, you don't should nobody have to tell you to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, there's some things, yeah, we have to learn because maybe we didn't know. We were ignorant to some things and that, you know, we need to be correcting. And even that still, there's a way to do that. There is a way to do that. There's a way to address me. There's a way to say things. But if I had been that gentleman, like I would have got my stuff and just rolled on out. You know, like as soon as he got done, grabbed my stuff and like, you know what? I don't, I'm I'm not respected here, obviously. You know, so it was a pretty pretty gruesome clip. So he said, "I can't trust you with the keys." Yes, I can't Jeez. even trust you with the keys. Like, oh god. Uh, anyway, emasculated, but I'm gonna keep on going. Listen, I've seen yeah. leaders, I've seen leaders call a group of grown men weak. So it's some, it's some abusers. It's, it's some, it's some, some, you know, like. One thing I was taught was that you never demasculate a man in front of his wife and his children. Mm -hmm. You're undermining his authority. So, and that was by a pastor. So mm -hmm. that's what he told us. That was the first thing he told us. So, well, these were our announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly. We're going to pass the service back over to Sister Ron. Amen. Amen. So, our topic subject for tonight is apostolic luxury. And I just want us to have a overview conversation of just we're living in a day and age where a lot of the apostolic folks are educated a lot of us are grown a lot of us are living modern day lives and luxury is a new I wouldn't say it's a new concept, but it's a growing concept that we'll see like on TikTok, it's an aesthetic, it's all these different things. And just how is that translating into the apostolic church? So the first question I want to ask is, what does it mean to live a life of luxury? What do we mean when we say luxury? Okay. Well, the first thing I want to do is I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer, okay? I'm a firm believer that luxury is subjective. 
If you look at the definition of luxury, they have, there's the positive side of things, but also the negative side of things when it comes to luxury. But nevertheless, for instance, I may consider harmless indulgence and the comforts of life as, you know, luxurious, whereas someone else might consider it to be worthless and self-indulgent. But nevertheless, no one has the right to tell you what's appropriate when you're being intentional about bringing luxury and joy into your life. So that's just a little disclaimer that I do want to throw out there. I love it. Luxury for me, it isn't limited to extravagant possessions, but rather it does encompass tangible as well as intangible to create an elevated experience in your day-to-day life. So for instance, you can create a luxurious experience for yourself by, as well as others, by just maintaining a positive attitude. That's an example of something that's intangible. Some examples of tangible could be uh, where you might elevate your shower experience by tying some eucalyptus to your shower head and creating a spa-like atmosphere. Um, another example is you can elevate your dining experience by um, placing some fresh flowers on your dining table. But luxury for me is being intentional about creating joy in ordinary and sometimes mundane daily activities. It's about you being intentional about romanticizing your life. I love that. Yeah, what <laughs> what she said? <laughs> Sorry, I rested. Romanticizing, I like. Oh, I love it. I love it. You got a perfect person for this episode. I know. Um, <laughs> she summed it up. One thing she said that just resonates with me is luxury is subjective. I remember having a friend in college telling me, you know, we broke college student when we were in college. He was like, yeah, he's like Kool Aid is a luxury for me, you know. So I think it's all in like how you view life, what your accessibility is, but to live a life of luxury is to me to live comfortably because there's a lot of people that live but they're not living comfortably they're just living to get by you know they wish that they could you know be able to door dash or they wish they could be able to you know go and eat, sit down and eat at Ruth Chris but they have to go to Chili's because their bank account or their pay does not call for those kind of dining experiences so I think it's all about being comfortable and being able to assess the things that really bring you contentment and bring you this sense of happiness like time Tasha said so eloquently, you know, it can be the intangible as well. Like maybe a luxury for you is, you know, being able to be positive and stuff. Everybody doesn't have that luxury. You know, maybe everybody doesn't have that luxury of being able to have a spa bathroom experience because they have to share a bathroom or because they have to take a five to 10 minute shower because, you know, they have to watch the utilities and be resourceful with, you know, water and things like that. So I think living a life of luxury is like she says, subjective, and it all depends on what the desire level of that person is. And maybe this is me talking from like a place of deficit. <laughs> I know that's Tasha's thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> y'all, y'all gotta follow her. She's amazing. But anyway, uh-huh. for me, luxury is anything that is not survival mode. So mm-hmm. if if I, like I that. anything that I consciously choose to do, mm-hmm. because it's so easy for us, and this is bouncing off of what you said about being mundane, um, Tasha, is like anything that just is a mechanic does like I just gotta wake up go to work go to bed go to sleep like it's just like I have to do these things and you just knock it off knock it off and it just every day just seems the same the same the same that's not a luxurious lifestyle but for me like okay I made a conscious choice to wake up a little bit earlier to go work out or I made a conscious choice to like I'm gonna stop at Starbucks before I go to work or maybe I'm gonna make 
make my own coffee at home or a special tea just so I can sit down and relax for a minute and kind of get my head together before I enter my workplace. You know, those little conscious decisions that we make to make life a little bit easier for us to me is a luxury. And it doesn't necessarily have to be staying at a five-star hotel. <laughs> it's just making something that is not so routine, like getting trapped in the day-to-day. That's my thought. I like that, that you said that because listening to you speak, what's luxury to you sounds like learning how to be in the moment. Yeah, right. Napo basic. Napo <laughs> <laughs> real basic. But <laughs> Love that because it also shows a heart of thankfulness and gratitude. When you take the time to really appreciate what it is that, you know, you've worked hard for that God has graced you to be able to accomplish, which also goes into stewardship. So no, when you, um, when you put yourself in that position where you're learning how to just be in the moment, you're putting yourself in a position to learn how to be thankful, be a good steward, and you also open up the door to bless you, for God to bless you even more. So I absolutely love that. I did not think that came from a place of scarcity, my darling. I loved all of it. <laughs> so we're going to put a pin in stewardship because we're going to talk about that later. But um, my next question naturally is, can a believer have a luxurious lifestyle? And I think you guys kind of already answered that, but just want to. Absolutely. So one of the things I think about is that the promises of God and even the thoughts that God thinks towards us kind of validates that that belief. So for instance, I think about the scripture, scripture that says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper. Mind you, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. I have yet to see an individual prosper spiritually or naturally when their soul is heavily laden. So creating luxury in your life, I do believe when you're intentional about it, it helps you to be able to withstand your valley experience. And it also amplifies the celebration during your mountaintop experience. So yes, absolutely. I do believe that believers, they can live a luxurious lifestyle. And anyone who says anything else practices toxic Christianity. I see. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes, I'm going to say yes, hands down. Like, I believe believers can live a luxurious lifestyle and can live it unapologetically. So, same. So, moving on from just regular luxury, but you know, we talk about taking time for yourself and leaving that day to day mentality. Has differences in social class and our wealth affected the apostolic church? And if so, how so? You could just go into explanation if you think. So I'm going to say, yeah, as much as churches would like to think that they aren't political, the reality is that the church is very much so a business. And in every business, there is politics, even if it's not specific to necessary class or wealth. Sometimes when, because you made a point of the social, the social, social sometimes may have to do with popularity. It may have to do with influence. And sometimes a person might be more influential simply because they're a bigger tithe payer. So I do think that sometimes that has a way of creeping into the church. I'm not going to say that that's the case in every church. I, I don't think that's reality. But I do believe that those who contribute more, it could be where they're contributing more money. It could be where they're even contributing maybe more time, contributing more resources. Reality is, or it, they could look, they could even have tenure. There are some people who have been raised in the same church from birth all the way up until their adulthood. And, you know, they've brought a family into the church. And so the reality is sometimes tenure has an effect also socially on the dynamic of the church and how things flow. Um, but just because you have tenure does not necessarily mean that you are always qualified. 
So, no, I do believe that, you know, that does have an effect on the church as well. That tenure point is a very good point. <laughs> Because it's very easy for us to be like, well, I've been in church for 20 years. And so I have something to say. So listen to me. Yeah. And it's just like, well, if you don't, you don't really have any substance. <laughs> You've been here for years. So that's interesting. Mike, what's your thoughts? I agree wholeheartedly with what Tasha said. Like It has affected the church in more ways than one. Because I've seen firsthand where, you know, there are people that are either has the tenure or maybe, they, you know, they are on the upper echelon of tithes payers where they're able to come to the table and make decisions or they're able to, you know, gatekeep certain things like, oh, this person has been at this church since 92. So they can be over the music department, even though their musical ability sucks or, you know, she over here can be over the women's council because she's been at the church since the beginning of the church started, but she has a nasty attitude. These are the things that like, you know, going back to what Tasha said is, you know, these tenure, which is, a, you know, it's a social class, right? And it goes back to a conversation we say this on the show all the time. A lot of times in church, in the church world, people can be nobodies out in their circular job. They can scrub toilets. They can be the lowest on the totem pole in the corporate world and things like that. But when it comes to church, they could be, you know, the Sunday school superintendent and they feel above than. And I think those social classes in church make people feel like they have an upper hand. Like it gives them this power to say, you know, I've been here since 1975 and I'm the Sunday school superintendent and I'm the president of the board of trustees. You know, once you get on the board of trustees, you've arrived. It's one of those things where it has affected even just on just a secular level, people just having more money and more access and things like that. You see a difference in the way, you know, maybe the cars they drive and things like that. Even sometimes like I've seen people at church, like roll up with the newest BMW and stuff and they're going to make sure you see it or roll up at the newest Porsche and stuff they're going to make sure that you see it and it can create that divide because somebody you know looking at that and you have to be careful I don't think there's anything wrong with getting the latest car that's something you desire hey get it you can afford it but it's the spirit in which we present those things you know you're mm -hmm. sitting up here and uh, look at <laughs> I went and got me a new B BMW today I sure did I sure did you know you're bragging but we have to watch somebody else walk you know, home from church because they don't have a car to get home, you know? So it has created this divide and we don't intentionally do it, but I think we don't think about those elements in church in which church is supposed to be a place where we all supposed to be helpers unto one another. And sometimes we create these invisible divide lines doing things like that by being prideful in some of the things that God has blessed us with. It ain't nothing you did. It's because God has allowed you to get your credit to a place where you can go ahead and, and drive off the lot of that 2023 Mercedes. Or it's been because of the Lord because you can afford the mortgage on that $400,000 home. And so it's, it's one of those things I think we've created this invisible, you know, line of dividing and it's created certain division in church because I can can't go to sister Tasha because Tasha she bougie you know and it's like okay so you know you don't want to create this in church but unfortunately sometimes this is what's been created because you know social class and just the, where we are in life the way we arrive and our attitude towards things has caused it to be like this so I hope that makes sense yeah no mm -hmm. you raised a lot of points Mike <laughs> the first one I want to talk about is like just comparing church hall I grew up to now mm -hmm. in the 90s I feel like like a lot of the women they made dresses together or it was more or less about like and this is just on like a physical appearance level at least at my church it was more or less everyone 
kind of look the same and look uniform and i love seeing it the post of like look at my fit for this like this service <laughs> and it looks good and that's because the saints have more money to spend on clothing than particularly when i was growing up like you know i mean the saints look nice but it's a different kind of nice you know what mm -hmm. i mean or it's a different kind of like that uniformity i should say is gone when we're talking about black and white we talking about white shirts, black bottoms, not like I got this nice outfit that I got off a of sheen. You know what I mean? That's well put together. That's one. I would also say too, like from when I was growing up in 90s, early 2000s till now, like how the church role is. A lot of our saints, like we would take an offer for them. They were struggling to keep the off, like the lights on. The saints would take an offering. Somebody was having an issue. You know, you would go to the saints and be like, hey, like I'm having an issue. And now I feel like the community of church was a little bit different. It was like we leaned, a lot of the saints, at least when I was growing up, leaned a lot on the church and the pastor with their financial issues. And we all kind of came together to help. And that's not to say people don't do that now, but I haven't. The church I go to now, I mean, it's a lot of young professionals there. We haven't taken up an offer for nobody. <laughs> it is more or less us contributing back to the church. Like our church was able to pay off his mortgage last month. You know what I mean? So it's us giving back into the house of God rather than the saints leaning on the house of God for um resources not to say that those resources aren't available, but I'm just saying it's a, it's a little bit of a difference because of how the saints have seen an increase so those are two points that i've seen as far as differences going back to the 90s like i remember something my mom and dad would always say it was like we was coming up such my dad we was coming in church the saints only wore black and white like they only wore black and white they didn't wear color you know like this was just a thing they did but i remember growing up in the 90s and seeing this transition like i remember when the lord started blessing the saints with businesses the lord started blessing the saints with good jobs they started going back to school getting degrees and stuff and was getting those raises and i saw this transition of people kind of going from the poorhouse and going into almost the White House, you know, because even with my own family, like, you know, growing up, like my, my parents did pretty well, but I remember they had a business, like they were able to elevate themselves, you know, get cars. And I saw the saints get, be blessed with cars, bigger houses and things of that nature. So I kind of saw that shift from where maybe the saints were shopping at Cato's, maybe the saints were shopping at Walmart and things like that. And they were able to go to Belk, you know, or they were able to go to Macy's and be able to buy clothes and things of that nature and I think it did somehow kind of take away from that unity part of it because now like you said we don't have that togetherness to be able to say like oh well you know um let's let's get together and let's sew some things up let's get together and we're gonna run over to Walmart and do this that and the third so it did take away from that but however on the other side of it I feel that God has blessed people enough to wear people, I guess, feel like they don't have to do that anymore. They could be independent now. And I don't know if that's a bad thing, but I also don't know whether that's a good thing. And there was something else you said that kind of struck me was the point about you said there was a time when you were just when people were raised offerings for the saints and i remember there would be times when people could you know go to other saints and be able to either say like hey like you might help us with a, a light bill or we sometimes would take up money like in church for a college student whatever to make sure they had money here's my thing i think the church you know and and helping people that's in need is is a great thing but please don't throw up in nobody's face you know and 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 i've been blessed enough i have never had to go to the church for anything and I pray I'm never in, put in that position but please don't throw in nobody's face that I paid your bill over here so you you should be obligated to do this a b c and d like don't do that 
you know, like, like don't do that. And I think a lot of times that's also caused people to kind of, you know, revert back and be at secrecy in some things. Somebody, you got saints that'll be living in the dark sometimes and won't even tell anybody because of things like that or because people make people feel less than because they do have a need and they, they fell on hard times. I was listening to you guys speak and one of the things that I was paying attention to was, you know, just in general, where you were saying there was a shift in the culture and you, were, you made mention of attire and things of that short sort. So is it possible that the issue that we're dealing with is not necessarily a tire, but it's character. I think that that could be a, that could yeah. be an issue. Yeah, that could be an issue. It is, and I think it is the the character. <laughs> the reason why I say character is because, mind you, I mean it's a beautiful thing when people are blessed where they're able to dress. Um, you can still be modest and still be very, you know, put together. But when it's a matter of the fact that now you're utilizing this as a way of classing yourself off, now that's a character issue. Mm-hmm. The fact that you know if God look if you're faithful over a little God will make you rule over much God can't give you more because the fact that you are acting highfalutin because now you can shop at Bell okay. so literally our character and our attitude and our spirit sometimes pigeonholes us where we are not able to really reap all the blessings that God has for us yeah i agree i wholeheartedly agree with that no it's definitely character it's definitely like look at me the peacock spirit and i'll say this too even when like i have to catch myself sometimes because even like when it comes to preaching right we talked about this in a very early episode but like (laughs) there's some preachers that i'm like oh i can't listen to this like Mm -hmm. i'm not getting anything like I want somebody that's going to sit down and like, they're going to walk me through the Bible story and give me the history and tell me the Greek. Mm. And like, and it's kind of like, you know, where is that coming from? (laughs) You know what I mean? What kind, what are you like, you know, it's like, it's, it's not necessarily that the word of God is different, but it's also like, and I get it. Like people can have their preferences. I I definitely agree with that. Look, I see Mike's face. (laughs) (laughs) People can have their preferences. <laughs> but like you said, it's the character, it's the spirit of where is this coming from? Why is my thought when this person is stumbling over reading the word of God, me being like, oh, they can't read rather mm. than like, you know, let them get what they got to say because there might be something powerful in what they have to say. Go ahead, Mike. You <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm going to say I'm a thousand percent guilty of that. Like, if you know me personally, like I'm a thousand percent guilty, especially like when I live like in the Washington, D.C. area. I gotten accustomed to hearing a certain thing when people got up to preach, right? Like, you know, I wanted to hear that history. I wanted to hear, you know, you exegete the text and walk me through it. And, you know, tell me what Paul was wearing, you know, and, and tell me, you know, about, you know, uh, uh, the Isle of Patmos. And I want you to tell me all the symbolisms and revelations and stuff. So a lot of times we miss, I've, I've been guilty of it even now. Like I'll sit in church and kind of tune people out sometimes because they didn't grab me in those first two or three minutes or you know they were just other talking and, and sometimes like you just said like we miss like somebody can be just as anointed as they want to be but they might not know history but I said all that to say I think our taste change and things like that now is because we are in a place
place where we have education. We mm-hmm. are in a place where we've been exposed to, you know, different things and stuff. Like before I left North Carolina in 2017, I had only been exposed to certain preaching. I was only used to certain preaching, whatever. So I, I didn't really know. But when I went to like Washington, D.C. and I was exposed to like different types of things, like I came back kind of bougie when it came back down like to preaching and stuff. I'm like, I only want to hear this. Like I only want to hear that. And I listen for certain things when people preach, you know, but I think like sometimes education and experiences and what we're exposed to. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that as long as we know how to balance that out. Like as long as we know how to like, you know, be able to kind of take everything in whatever. Now, if somebody's just straight up preaching and they don't have any anointing, there's nothing wrong with going ahead and shutting that person out in your mind. I do it all the time. You know? I don't, you know, I, I, I will, you know, I'll be there, but you know, my mind to be in Jamaica somewhere, you know? So, but I think too, like sometimes, you know, so there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes people might have a slow start. Maybe they, you know, stumbled upon a few words. Sometimes people might have the anointing to be able to reach you, reach you where you are. So yeah, I'm, I'm just glad you brought up that point. It made me think about that. <laughs> Mike says, I am so guilty. <laughs> So like, that's my thing is like, you, you do get exposed to a lot of different, like when, when you're permitted to travel as a saint, mind you, my parents, they traveled a lot. Like the saints used to get in vans and go like, and go on the church bus and go somewhere. (laughs) I went to church in France. Like, come on, like it's a whole different experience, you know? And then you go to like a small storefront church and you're like, huh, this is interesting. This is good, but it's different and it's not the same. And I don't know if I want to (laughs) listen. And that's, I think, like you said, Tasha, like you have to check yourself you know our luxury is an internal experience for us not something that we put back on others and be like look at my luxurious experience and i think like that's the issue um so i want to move on to the next question because we've been on here for a while saying blessing and favor are not foreign concepts to believers so we like this definition. So before we start getting into this conversation about blessing and favor, because I wanted to tie this into lecture, I'm not going to lie, just because we're here, we're talking about taking the time for ourselves and doing a little extra things. Can we discuss what the difference is between blessings and favor? Um, I think there's a slight difference. And the slight difference that I think specifically with blessing is that that involves divine intervention. So that actually involves God's direct hand in something. So mind you, with favor, that could be a matter where you just have favor with people, but with blessings that involves having favor with God and him doing for you something that perhaps you would not ordinarily experience at that particular time, maybe because you're not prepared for it completely, or maybe because of the fact that society-wise, you may not be quote-unquote deserving of it. We always say what God has for you is for you. The difference between favor and blessing is that blessing has to do with divine intervention. Hmm. I like that. Mike? I, I, you know, reflect, you know, my, my thoughts exactly. Because I, I think that, no, because I think when, you know, I used to love to say favor ain't fair, you know, favor ain't fair, which I had to be careful saying favor is not fair because it sounds very, you know, elitist, you know, in a sense to be able to say that, oh, like favor, favor ain't fair. Look at you over there, you peasant. You want favor, you know, to get, and it's like, okay, but not, but I believe that God reigns on the just as well as the unjust, you know, for, mm-hmm. you know, for one. And, you know, for two, like she said, I think there's a slight difference between blessings and favor because you can find favor with people and you don't even have to have any 
any association with Christ and just be favored by people just because on the mere fact that you have a good personality or you have the gift of, some people have the gift of gab, can talk their way through any situation, talk their way through a brick wall. And so they find favor with people that, but I think with blessings and blessings from God, I mean, like she said, it took the intervention. Like my credit score was a 345, but the Lord allowed me to go to that car lot and drive out the car with low payments, not no money. That's a blessing, you know, or I don't know, you know, I, I wasn't supposed to, you know, to get this house, you know, this house was even just like, I remember telling you, like with the house, my parents, a couple of years ago, they had a cash buyer that was going to just go ahead and flat out pay, you know, the amount that they paid for the house. And, you know, the real estate agent was like, Mr. and Mrs. Dawes, like this is not looking, you know, good because this person's willing to pay cash. But don't you know, cash buyer fell off and they were able mm -hmm. to get the house. So that's a blessing from God, you know, but I, I think there is a slight difference. And sometimes we get caught up with favor always being a reflection of, you know, God favoring us, which he does favor us, but we have to be careful that we don't get caught up in what the elitism of what favor could really be. Because, you you know, people favor derives from favorite. And so, you know, people have their favorites in the workplace. You know, people have their favorites at church. So, right. you know, like, Ron, you're my favorite at church, so I'm going to give you the solo in the choir, you know. Or, you know, Tasha, you're my favorite at church, so I'm going to save you that lemon cake back there. So we have to be very, you know, careful about, <laughs> you know, favorite and blessing. So, yeah, no, I think that's good stuff. Like, originally, I was thinking that blessing is the thing and favor is a means to the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and blessing doesn't always come through favor, but you can't get a blessing without favor. Mm -hmm. And then also the scripture talks about favor being deceitful. And like you were saying, mm -hmm. Mike, someone can think well of you, look well on you. That doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't mean that God is with it. Like you said, blessing <laughs> means that God is with it. Yeah, God has favor on people, but favor doesn't always necessarily mean that God is in that thing. Like you said, pe regular people can just have favor on you. Um... So moving from that, appeals to blessing and favor are prominent in our churches. There's a church that I listen to, I'm going to, uh, <laughs> for their uh, praise and worship. And before they do offering, they do a very long appeal about. Oh, yes, they do. Blessings in my hand, bless checks, money in my hand, money in my pocket, checks in, in the mail. Better yet, checks in my hand. <laughs> Cash apps <Yep>. and debts <laughs> demolished, <laughs> cars paid off, bills paid off. Yes, it's and it's a great affirmation, but it's it's also something that we kind of made church kind of a, a lot about. You know what I mean? So my question is like is it an issue is making blessing and favor such a prominent thing such a part of our giving process such a part of our church is that a problem should we even be talking about this right now <laughs> i do think it's a problem um so one of the things i think is a problem is that we tend to associate blessing and favor with just tangible things specifically um monetary or you know expensive resources and the reality is is that if that was truly representative of god's blessing and favor upon your life then the enemy would not be utilizing it as a means of tempting you to get on quote unquote his side mm. so i do think that it's definitely an issue in the church i think that oftentimes going back to when we talk about social class and wealth and things of that sort, we tend to categorize people in the church based upon what it is that they have. And sometimes we tend to think that, well, clearly you're more anointed or the favor of God is on your life because you have such, such, such. And sometimes people have certain things simply because they make good decisions, simply because they're wise with their money. Ooh, that's a good one. Because they 
chose to get under some mentorship regarding finances simply because they're learning how to save and they're learning how to invest simply because they've been taught about how to respect money and the power and the authority that comes with money. Hmm, you're talking. My God. Definitely it is a problem in the church because on top of that, I think that it also goes to the place where we're looking at God as a personal genie instead of God, the creator, God, the author and the finisher of our faith, God, this our savior and our redeemer, God, the one who um, is the one that makes us righteous because our righteousness is of a filthy rag. I think that we get lost in blessing and favor. And the reality is, is that I think if people really read the scripture in the context, they would understand that blessing and favor was not even just specific to monetary things. It actually had to do also with the blood lineage. Because when you think about the blessing of Abraham, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just about money. It was about the fact that his lineage would be great. His name would be great. My God, my God, my God. That's good. That yeah, is no. so good. So good. Um, oof, I mean, I have, I can't, I can't even come behind that. You know, I, <laughs> I have some thoughts. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, I think it's important to teach people about giving, right? But I think it's also important that we do not deceive people into thinking just because you pay tithes and offering that your monetary issues are going to automatically disappear. I think that's the biggest misconception we have in church, you know, is like, well, you know, I pay my tithes and I pay my offer because this same church you're referring to, Ron, he preached a message Mm -hmm. a couple of months ago about stewardship. And one of the things he said, he was like, you know, you can give and you can be the most faithful tithe sphere, but if you're not a good steward of your money, don't mm-hmm. look for, you right. know, all of these, you know, you know, these way out blessings and things like that. And that hit so hard because it's like, even at one time in my life, my early twenties, I thought like giving and the Lord, you know, has blessed and I've never gone without, you know, even in the season of my life and, you know, Ron, we shared about, you know, what I have going on, you know, I haven't gone without, like I haven't gone without, I haven't, you know, I've actually probably seen a little bit more than what I was seeing before, you know, the situation took place. But at the same time, you know, I think it's important that we follow up with telling people that paying your bills on time is important. Saving your money is important. Some people, and he said this in his message that he preached that Sunday, he said some of y'all need to be, need to save money in avenues that you where you can't access it. Put it in a 401k, put it in a 403, you know, 403b, put it in, you know, some kind of CD where you don't have access to it. Because what do we do if we got that checking and savings, you know, attached together? We get the transferring just as hard. And I think that, and I'm speaking for me, things I've done, you know, mistakes I've made. Me too. But at the same time, you know, I think we mislead some people in church sometimes by, you know, we get do these giving confessions and I'm nothing wrong with that. I love it. But I think also too, we have to be real with people and say, you know what? We love that you pay your tithes and stuff, but you know, don't expect to go there and sign off on a house tomorrow just because you pay your tithes. You still need to fix your credit. You still need to pay people on time because the Bible talks about owing no man. Come on now. It it tells us that. You know, you paying your tithes, yes, but you still owe these bill collectors and they call you, you keep hitting the ignore button. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, you're over here and 
you don't not you don't have a healthy relationship with money. Every time you get paid, you got to run to the mall. Every time you get paid, you know, you got to go to Sheen. You know, every time you get paid, you got to run over to the M Corbett collection, which I want you to do. Shameless plug. But anyway, <laughs> but I just, you know, I want to say like, you know, a lot of us, you know, sometimes we just have to be careful that we don't misconstrue and we don't deceive people into thinking that. Like Tasha says so beautifully, sometimes blessings and the, the blessings of the Lord, which I said, the blessings of the Lord make it rich and add of no sorrow. And let me say, this and, and someone taught me and I learned this years ago if the Lord bless you with something he's not it's, it's, he's not gonna go back on his word if he mm -hmm. blesses you with that car he ain't gonna add sorrow to it where you're gonna be broke every month because you are paying a thousand dollar a car payment on a 2015 uh, uh charger you know what I mean um so you know the blessings of the Lord make it rich and add of no sorrow but the blessings of the Lord could be healing in your body you know the <laughs> blessings of the Lord could be you know the salvation of your children the salvation of your loved ones the blessings <laughs> of the Lord could be anything that doesn't always have to be the tangible or the monetary it could be things like you know you finding favor at work or maybe it's that promotion at work or maybe you know it's that unresolved issue you had with a loved one and the Lord ends up mending it back together like or maybe it's God putting you in contact with people that can help you fix your credit or can help you show you ways how to save money and show you ways to get that business started it's but you know a lot of times I think in church and this is church in general because we went from in the and I'm gonna say this I'm gonna jump off because I know we're, we're at our time but we went from in the 80s and 90s preaching hell and brimstone to going into the gospel of prosperity like we saw the transition mm -hmm. from hell brimstone theology you know and there was nothing wrong with the hell and brimstone i got saved on hell and brimstone you know yeah. like you going to hell if you don't get saved boy. <laughs> you know you know hell is gonna be your home if you yes. if you don't get that if you don't but at the same time you know we saw that movement go from prosperity and the word of faith i can have now if i speak it now and i can have it and i think that that ended up bleeding into if i pay my tithes and if i sow my I'm going to automatically just be blessed. And it caused us to be able to be lackluster as mar in the market. It caused us to be lackluster in our secular relations where we have this unhealthy relationship with money, but we just going to fall on the Lord because Lord, I pay my tithe. So you're going to automatically fix it. And that's not always how that works so that's true yeah no you said a lot of good stuff and this is the thing like blessing and favor is a consequence not a motivation mm -hmm. so your actions and your initial works should be the, the cause of additional blessing and favor it's not god gives me blessing and favor so that's why blah 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 no mm -hmm. i'm already a sweet person i'm already a humble person i'm already a diligent person i'm already a good steward and because of the things that i have sown and invested i'm reaping that thing and I think that is the issue that I'm having is that a lot of people start off with because I love Christ, Christ should love me by showing me X, Y, and Z. And instead your motivation should be, I love Christ. And because I love Christ, I'm going to be obedient to his commandments. And through mm -hmm. my obedience, I am gathering these things. And I think when we start off there that I love Christ and I'm going to obey his commandments, when we get these things, it doesn't motivate us in the same way. And I think this goes back to your character traits, Tasha. There was an elder at my church. He preached about it of like everything that I have doesn't belong to me. Mm -hmm. And I think when we start looking at our blessing, I shouldn't even call it our blessing and favor because like this is God's blessing and favor for me to use to do something with it. Mm -hmm. Not for me to use for my own self-indulgence, not for me to use to show everybody, look at me. I'm this light on the city on the hill. You know what I mean? It should be like, you know, 
God has blessed me so much. So look at this blessing that I can bestow upon you so that you can also follow Christ and see how great his works are. And I think the servant mindset is what we're missing a lot of the times. And a lot of times we, instead of becoming the servant, we start thinking that God, like you said, the genie, mm. whatever I'm getting is the master and I control, I take, and it's not, and it's not under your control. Like nothing I have belongs to me was something that helped ground me so much because it's just like, I could lose it just like that. And there's so many people that, and this is the difference between the saints and the world is that when the world loses things, they go and kill their whole family or they jump off a building because they don't know how to function without things. But the mm -hmm. beautiful thing about the saints is that we can have, and we can, we can lo lose and it doesn't matter. We still have Christ. So we know it's going to be taken care of. So objects and things doesn't matter. And when I think about, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I want to think about like the story of Job. We use the story of Job so often people preach about it from a stance of, well, he got double his portion. And it's like, no, it shouldn't be about the fact that Job had things to begin with. It's about his faithfulness to Christ. That is what the story of Job is about. It's about the temptation by the devil to show he's not going to love you if he doesn't have. And like, I, I think when we realize that stuff and things is just stuff and things and like you have the God that says, take no thought. <laughs> like That should be enough. Any comments further on blessing and favor appeals? in church well you just said something that resonated with me when you said that we sometimes we're blessed for other people to see right so you know i i think and this is something i i learned a while ago i think sometimes like in church we take for granted who we are in christ like we're citizens of, of god and who we are and you made a point about you know telling like people in the world should be able to see not necessarily bragging or boast, boasting but you know basically boasting on our god like you know god has can do it for me he's done it for you which is why i always say this we should always give god our best when we go to church, that's why, and I know this is going to sound crazy, and I know people might get mad. This is why I cannot get down with the dress down Sunday. Mm -hmm. I can't get down with it because, you know, like we sh when we go to church, we should always look our best because I feel like people are watching. The world is watching. Like people are watching that and they're like, oh, they look thrown away or they look just like us over here. Like, what's the difference? It's not so much that, you know, we're caught up in, you know, like a a, a skirt or how the, the length of the skirt, but it's just in looking good. If we're supposed to be saints, we're supposed to be children of God. I think we should represent that and represent it well. You might only have one dress, but clean that dress, wear it to the best of your ability. You might have one suit, but change that shirt and tie out and wear it to the best of your ability until God gives you more because people are watching you say that you are a child of God, which is why I think we should always, and even it goes further than that, even with things like, and I think we said this before, operating in a spirit of excellence within our churches, whatever. Give God your best. Put your best singers forward when on the praise team. You know, not whosoever will. Put your best musicians forward. You know, <laughs> you know, put you put your best people, your best foot forward for people because if we're supposed to be children of God, we're supposed to be children, people of the name, and people coming to our to our. Even if you got a storefront, make it the most beautiful storefront people walk into. Right. People walk into your storefront, it shouldn't even seem like a storefront. You know, you might not have the best building in town, might be in the middle of the projects, in the middle of the hood, but you make it look like the best. Give God the best because people are watching people. And, and how can you expect God to bless you with the big when you don't even know how to manage the small? You don't even know how to keep up the small beginnings. This is not small beginnings, right? And so I just, you raised that point there. It made me think about that. So no, that was good. And it made me think too about like our worship experience in general. I had this in my notes, but I didn't talk about it. When we get in church and are just like impress me put on a mm -hmm. performance 
Like, mm-hmm. I want to see the fog. I want to feel the, I want to feel the glory. You know, I feel like that is something, and I, I don't, I won't say necessarily it's a social class wealth thing, but it's definitely a new church thing. Honestly, I'm going to pinpoint it to social class and wealth because when we watch television, when we watch things, we allow things to become entertainment for us. Mm-hmm. And that is something that only people who, only a people who have wealth or a high social class can do and it's just like your worship experience shouldn't be limited to how well somebody sings on the praise i do agree with putting your best forward i completely agree with that but the saints are not even engaging you can have the best person singing everybody just staring at them with blank eyes exactly and it's just like (laughs) we all serve the same god and we all should come from a place of loving God. So why am I entertainment for you? And why are you not impressed? Because it's not about being impressed. It's about you getting engaged. Why are you watching me? You know what I mean? Like your praise and worship team should be an elevation of your worship experience. Your mm-hmm. music should be an elevation of your worship experience. Your pastor preaching is an elevation of your experience of what you're doing at home in your own. It shouldn't be that you come to the church for entertainment. And I think that's the translation of the way we are in society. It's like y'all not searching for nothing. And I'm gonna be honest, <laughs> I said y'all, but I'm, I'm, I'm I'm including myself too but i'm gonna be honest one thing i had testified about when i was younger is that my problem is that when i live in good times i don't see mm-hmm. god that was a big issue for me and it like and when i had testified about it a lot of the saints were like what a lot of people say like it's hard to call on jesus when you're going through but i i disagree i was taught that that was part of my upbringing you you need help calling jesus you know what i mean and so like Whenever I am in a bad place, whenever I'm in a bad state, it's easy for me to call on. That's automatic. Jesus, Lord, I, I'm a call out. Y'all gonna see me on the altar. I'm gonna be like, I'm shouting in advance. Like you gonna hear the, the biggest testimony when I'm going through. But when everything is okay with me, when life seems solid, when every when my lifestyle looks comfortable, I'm not giving my best. I'm just like, well, <laughs> it's another day I'm here. <laughs> That's when things start feeling like routine. And And I hate to say it, but like, um we talk about like people having anxiety and talking about waiting for the shoe to drop right and like it's sad that and this is just coming from me maybe no one's experienced this but it's sad that i have to think of an expectation of bad things coming or to stop bad things in order to give god worship and i I know that's confusing for people but i like i just think that it has to be like well god if i lose every like you have to like literally put yourself in a place a negative space in order for you to give god worship because you could get so comfortable with just being like i don't have anything i don't have anything to pray for what what kind of what where are we coming from and this this, this is my personal experience god mm-hmm. like i wake up i live in this really nice apartment i have a car i can pay all of my bills i feel comfortable when i want to take a trip i can take a trip and like that's it i don't have anything to pray for and what about what am i talking about <laughs> like what what do you mean you don't have anything to pray for there's so much things to pray for there's so many things that you can still see god for there's still a worship experience that you can have and it doesn't have to be in a detrimental space or for you to be like i'm going through for you to give god praise so sorry i'm just giving that no no that maybe was good. somebody that relates was good. to that but it, it's, that was good. i don't know anyway that's really good that's look that's apostolic luxury the fact that you're able to worship god in spirit and in truth that's a luxury there's a lot of individuals who are unfortunately are not in the truth and so they don't have the luxury of even being able to experience god on the level that we are able to experience God. Um, because think about the power that we experience when we as believers come together. You know, the Bible talks about how one chases a thousand, but two can put 10,000 
the flight. But mind you, aside for even that, just in general, the worship experience is elevated when believers come together. Um, so no, like even the mere fact that we're able to worship God, you know, because at one point in time we were enmity against God. That is a luxury. So you made some very, very good points, you know, regarding our worship experience in church. Wow, really good stuff. So our last question is just around stewardship. That's a word that's come out pretty often during this discussion. And so I just want us to talk a little bit about what it means to be a good steward. So for me, a good steward is basically a good manager, an individual who is able to effectively um, manage what has been entrusted to them. So, for instance, we are trusted to be a good steward over our time, over our talent, over our substance, over our resources, over our finances, even being a good steward over our bodies and our health being a good steward over our relationships, being a good steward over opportunities that God has blessed us with. God is looking at everything, being a good steward over our husbands, wives, children, anything that God has entrusted to us. God is looking to see how we're able to manage it and how we're able to maximize it. If we're not managing it effectively, if we're not nurturing it and it's not growing, then we are poor and ineffective stewards. And we don't want to be an individual who God says that we are evil stewards over what he entrusted us with mm. so good yeah so good. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> that you said and, and that's what i appreciate in your comment is not just managing it but maximizing because it's so easy for us to just and then that's the whole story of the talent it's so easy for us to get and then just bury it and be like look god i gave you what you asked for i gave it back that's not what he's looking for from us he's not looking for you to give back what he gave you he's looking for you to expand it triple it <laughs> like he wants to see an increase in you and what you're doing and and i talked about last week how um one of my friends was giving the thought about like i wonder if i'm doing enough hmm. and i i think that is going to be the biggest question that we need to ask ourselves as christians like are we doing enough am i using the investment god gave me he didn't hmm. put you on this earth and i've said this before he didn't put us on this earth just for nothing there is a purpose. There's a reason. There's a reason that you were raised the way you were raised. There are reasons that you have the experiences you experienced and you're not doing anything. You're sitting on your laurels. And, I, and I'm talking to myself right now because like a lot of times I think like out of fear or whatever, we just don't, or maybe, I don't know, out of convenience. I don't know what it is, but we don't try to like push ourselves or mm -hmm. we get scared when it's time to push. And Bible talks about the, the harvest is ready. Uh, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are the harvest is, yeah i always mess that one up <laughs> but like it's just like you know like god is waiting for he's building us up the reason why we're all here and the reason why we're having these worship experiences and we're having these discussions and all this stuff is so that we can get to a place of increase so yeah mike anything else um no i think you all summed it up with stewardship i think it's you know all about being a good steward of as she said earlier, your your time, your money, even being a good steward over the things you pray for. Mm -hmm. Some of those things you pray for, like, you know, 
you you know sit up here and you pray for you know lord like you know i want more time you know not to be able to you know i want more time at home and stuff but then you sit at home and you don't do anything productive mm-hmm. and so a lot of times it's all about like being a, you know how can i be a good steward of, of my money am i just out here just splurging it am i out here just you know out here just spending up everything i get living paycheck to paycheck or am i saving some am i you know investing some you know even of your even of my time like you know and i don't think being a good steward of your time necessarily means that all of my time belongs at church whatever you know because sometimes we can become we can become you know we get caught up in the glorification of busy right we like to be busy with church work and stuff but it's not productive work that really leads to anything you know we're just busy you know we just get caught up in things because it's like oh i like to keep busy you know and things like that and before you know it precious time has has passed along and i think it's great to work for the kingdom but it has to make sense like you know what is it that you're actually contributing are you just taking up space here or are you actually contributing to what the vision of you know what your local assembly is and things of that nature so i think even like just managing your time outside of that church space like what are you doing with that time how are you are you sharpening your skills you know as far as your secular skills you know those skills may be like you know we got Tasha that's into home decor you know maybe you know are you you're into knitting and things like that are you using this time to pray more are you using this time to you know read you know get into your word more and I think those things you know we have to look at because we're always praying for the next level Lord I'm ready to go to the next level I'm ready for this I'm ready for that but are you really ready because God has gives us all like like space and opportunity, you know, and gives us this blank canvas. Everybody's canvas is a different size, right? My canvas might be smaller. Your canvas might be big, but he gives us a canvas. And how we use that canvas is based upon what he's what he's going to bless us with next. Like, are you going to bless us with the more? But you haven't used up all you've done over here. You haven't really, you know, maximized, as she said, all that you needed to do over here. So how am I going to bless you with that when you haven't even done your fullest potential? How am I going to bless you with the newest car? You keep your car dirty. You know, how am I going to bless you with a bigger house and you keep your apartment nasty? You know, you know how am I going to bless you with a business and you can't even be on time for work? You can't even, you know, um, you, you, you can't even pay people on time and things like that. And I think is baby steps but sometimes we have to show god like god like you know i, I want to take some baby steps and it's nothing wrong with asking god for help like lord i'm not good at being on time help me to set a plan so i can be on time lord i'm not good at you know saving money lord help me to come up with a plan to save money and 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 be disciplined and things of that nature so yeah i think that's all that i have on on stewardship no that's <laughs> good good I was going to say, like, you were talking about being ready for blessings. <laughs> and it's just like each blessing comes. I, a pastor used to say, uh, higher levels, bigger doubles. Mm-hmm. There is a burden that can come with being blessed the burden that can come with having favor and like i initially when i was thinking about this i was thinking about joseph and how his dad made him the coat of many colors and how that was the beginning that favor that he got from his father was the beginning of all of his problems right (laughs) like as soon as he got that coat it created jealousy and so like it, it created envy amongst his brothers they wanted to sell him then he got to a place where he worked hard he did well and the next thing you know pot here comes potiphar's wife trying to get with him and he's trying to stay diligent to the course and and mind you making his way up got up to where he was like the second in command to pharaoh ends up in prison mm-hmm. and like and again the blessing and favor of god is what gave him dreams so that he could make his way back to where he was basically feeding his family during the um, famine but like when we pray for increase when we ask god for favor what do we 
really mean or do we know what that really means because the more favor you get the more you're going to have the attacks the more times there's going to be people who are coming after you that are going to be envious of you that are going to find ways to try to knock you down tear you down and you have to show to christ that you still have your morality <laughs> and i know people don't like that word of morality because oh oh we're holy but like so at some point stuff becomes like you were saying tasha stuff becomes your character some stuff becomes your morals write stuff on the tablets of your heart is what david was talking about right on the tables okay. of your heart you know that is you if it's on your heart it's you and that mm -hmm. thing can't be changed and so i think we have to question ourselves as far as like you're right like am i ready for a blessing because what does that blessing mean what is required for of me when i reach that level of getting that blessing yes I love that you said that. I like the um, I like the parallel that you made with Joseph um, because one of the things I even pray for, you know, when I'm asking God for certain things, is I'm like, Lord, please also bless me with the wisdom and the discernment to be able to properly manage it. Yes. And the reason why I say that is because you know Joseph, he was ignorant. Like he was telling his brothers about these dreams that God gave him about how they were going to bow down to him and everything like that. And he sounded real ignorant to him and he sounded arrogant to them because he was the youngest of the brothers. He was talking to them crazy. So that he because he lacked discernment and he lacked understanding, he was telling things prematurely that actually kind of hurt him in the long run. Mm. So I know that one of the things, you know, that is so important is that, you know, when we do get the blessing, yes, okay, you might have worked hard or, you know, God might have favored you to get into that room, but are you mature enough to be in that room? Mm, that's Ooh. so good. Ooh. Are you mature enough to be? <laughs> that is a, mm, that's mm. a word. Show title right there. Are you mature enough to be in the room? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, that's the ultimate question. Do you deserve to be here? Mm. <laughs> like, have you done enough? Do you enough? deserve to be here? Do you deserve to be here? Have you done enough? Have you, like, it's the same way we do with our banks and stuff like that. You know what I mean? We ask for a line of credit and they want to see your history first. Mm. And it's mm. like, you know, we asking God for lines of credit. We praying and God, if you get me out of this one, God, <laughs> if you just send me a blessing. And he's oh. like, let me see your history. And some Ooh. of y'all credit reports and y'all credit histories ain't looking right. <laughs> Walking yeah. around with a 200, talking to God, asking for a 600 credit uh -huh. score blessing. <laughs> My Lord. <laughs> but no, that oh, was God. good. Do you deserve to be in the room? Do you deserve to be here? As, okay, we're going to wrap it up right there. Unless a final, is there any other final comments on this topic? We've been on here for a while. Great. Okay. Apostolic luxury. Do you deserve to be here? Love that. Um, Mike. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's time for our music ministry of Pew Babies. This is the part of the show where we go around and listen to what we've been listening to this week and what's been blessing us. Sister Ron. Um, Jonathan McReynolds came out with a new album that I didn't even know about. He's like snuck up on us. It's called My Truth. Yes. But anyway, there is a song on it called Overrated, which I have really enjoyed. There's also another song. I'm not going to play it. It's called Able and it features Marvin Winans. I love when Jonathan McReynolds and Marvin Winans still song together. It's just, it soothes me. But um, here is Overrated. Well, heroes have Caves get torn and don't get mended strong. So for once I'll just lean on you 
So strong is overrated and instead of trying to be strong and being everybody's superhero and putting on a cape you should lean on god so uh, i'm going to his concert i bought tickets the other day so i'm excited <laughs> i'll tell y'all how that was. we got to stand though so i don't know about that y'all gotta put seats at these concerts we are old we're in our i'm 30s. not going to no concert where i have to stand my knees hurt give me a chair no. please no 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 um, so for me, um, I got two that I'm going to play. Um, a song that kind of I was driving yesterday, a song that popped in my spirits called Great is the Lord by Gerald Scott and Company. Here it is. So that was Great is the Lord by Gerald Scott and Company. And the second song I'm going to do, this song was originally written by Vincent Bohannon, Bohannon, but it is performed by Patrick Riddick and Divine Worship from Virginia. Here it is, it's I'll Go. So yes, that was I'll Go by uh, Patrick Riddick and Divine Worship. Um, our clip of the week. Uh, we're going to go to TikTok world this week, and this is our clip of the week. All right, you all, as requested, I'm back with another set of rules. This time it's church. Uh, number one, go ahead and put something on your stomach. Get up early enough where you can eat. If not, your spine and your stomach will be communing with each other during service. Number two, if your church still participates, then you should know that everything is not a testimony. If you pay for travel insurance and you do not go and they issued you a refund, that is not a testimony. That's a policy. Number three, I'm going to tell you right now the pastor's line. When he said, I'm about to close, he's not. you got another 45 minutes. Sit tight. Um, Teresa, you don't speak for the group. So when you stand up and say, Pastor, take your time, sit down. Nobody told you that. We've been here three hours. I'm ready to go. Don't sit beside or behind anyone with big hats. You're not going to be able to see the pastor or the choir. You're going to be frustrated and mad. Be prepared to have a sheet thrown over you if they feel your skirt is too short or your cleavage is showing. You will be wrapped in a sheet. Don't forget to stop by the shell station and break your 50 because they're not giving you change back. We got three collections going around, okay? We're going to have the regular ties and offering. We're going to have pastor's appreciation coming up. And we can't forget the building fund. There are no assigned seats but there are assigned seats. And you'll know if you're in somebody's seat. I'm telling you right now, this song is going to be long. Shift your weight from side to side, okay? Unfortunately, if the assistant pastor is preaching, we won't be there. <laughs> all right, you all, as requested, I'm back with another set of rules. 
that was oh, our no. clip of the week. <laughs> no. <laughs> it might you laughing too hard because that was you. I remember. <laughs> I ain't forget. The forget. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to incriminate myself on air. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Um, So do we have any closing remarks, prayer requests, praise reports? I had a closing remark. Um, To my graphic designers that's using Canva out there to do your graphic designers, please stop making birthday flyers that look like funeral announcements. triggering and i hate it like i there was a funeral home director that got on facebook and made a flight went viral talking about some um sunset he had his birthday and then uh, sunrise had his birthday and then sunset it was just blank talking about like the undertaker is taking on something i was like this is so bad with the rate that people are dying now like please stop doing this stop doing birthday announcements with you know angel wings in there you know stop doing announcements you know like birthday announcements that look like funeral graphics like i hate it just pay a graphic designer to do it but stop going on the canva app and doing these these uh graphics and posting them on facebook and then you give us a heart attack thinking that oh you just you died or something like that like no let's let's stop that that's all i got there should never be a sunrise on your fly <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're dead, that should never be right. <laughs> That's crazy. These funeral, well, never mind. I was gonna say these death announcements is getting wild though too. Like, why? We, but anyway, all right, never <laughs> mind. <laughs> we have an official flyer for your death now. It's crazy. Yeah. But um, well, you know what? I, apparently, you have to do that with the way people prematurely announce death now. <laughs> You know, like something happens, it was like, okay, we gotta wait for an official flyer because now we waiting know. for the official statement. Yeah. <laughs> See what social media has done to us. Yes. Do y'all have somebody backed up on your social media account in case you die? I need to get somebody. I, I need to too. I, I have somebody that's already locked up. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Just delete my Facebook. Delete the whole thing. Don't delete let my them Facebook. Write on my you cannot share memories with me. I'm sorry. Do not tag me. Talk about some memorial. Pe- please tell me this ain't true. Please pick up your phone. We didn't talk when we was living. <laughs> <laughs> when I was living. We 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 won't cool when I was living. Talk about some, oh, please tell me that ain't true. Please pick up your phone. You didn't call me when I was living. You didn't text me when I was living. No. Don't Mm-mm. disrespect and me then, by sending screenshots of what we wrote. Yeah, our because our conversations were private. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody that's a close friend with me don't need a screenshot. Anything that I saw. <laughs> 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 Delete it right there. <laughs> Matter of fact, burn my, you know, my close friends got instructions to burn my phone if something happens to me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right, so um, we're going to close out. Mike, you want to close out? Yes, yes. Uh, May the Lord. May the Lord. Lord. Watch between. Watch between. Me and thee. Me and thee. While we are absent. While we are absent. One from another. One One from another. another. In Jesus' name. In In Jesus' name. And let everybody say, Amen. 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 Love somebody, y'all. Uh... My life was all in. I'm a pure baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My life was church and all in. I'm a pure baby. <laughs>